Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. This is actually going to be our final roundup of 2020, and instead of covering the past week's news stories, we are going to look back at the whole year and talk about some of the top things that we've covered over the past year. So you can still go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org as always to find this week's roundup in a written format with links to the stories that we're going to discuss, but there you can also find the articles for the entire past year and years before that um, in case you're interested in following up on any of what we're going to discuss and getting caught up on 2020 as we wrap this year up. So let's jump in with our first story, the year of the pandemic. Obviously, as you could have guessed, you know, COVID-19 has been the news story of 2020, really, you know, the news story of uh, of my lifetime personally. Um, But of course, it had special importance for LGBT folks. Um, We don't know exactly um, what the impact has been on the community because of the lack of data. And that itself has been um, one of our big stories here is just you know, covering um, the question, where where is the data, and looking at some of the issues that have come up as a result of this. Uh, just last week, we talked about how in California, um, which is one of the few places to um, commit to collecting uh, sexual orientation and gender identity data on uh, COVID-19, they still have not done so. And, you know, we're, we're in what, in month nine or, or 10 of the pandemic now. So um, it's been a real challenge, and that's kind of limited the amount of, of research that we've had specific to LGBT folks during the pandemic, but we have a lot um, that we have learned, and I'm going to cover that in a couple of our uh, next stories that are that are coming up here on my countdown. So our next story here is centers stepping up. Now, as promised, you know while we don't have a lot of hard data on how many LGBT people have been um, infected by COVID-19, what the health complications have been. We do have a ton of um, reports that have come out uh, around the experiences of LGBT people. And what we're seeing is that a lot of people um, have been really affected by all the shutdowns that have happened. Um, A lot of social spaces for LGBTQ folks, whether those are um, schools where students can meet with their GSA or just be around their friends and outside of um, homes that aren't always supportive of them, um, whether that's you know going into their job, going into a local LGBT center, going to an LGBTQ um, bar or venue, a lot of these spaces have been closed, and so that's created a lot of isolation for people. Um, and what we've seen and covered a lot of times here um, on the podcast is all of the work that local LGBT centers are doing to fill in some of these gaps. So we've covered things like. Um, uh, virtual support groups, social opportunities happening virtually, especially during um, Pride Month. Um, we've seen modified health services that have helped to reduce in-person contact. And we've seen emergency support, things like food pantries um, and other forms of, of aid, whether that's you know financial um, or, or uh, supplies that people need or something else. Um, so definitely a lot of great things that have that have happened um, to support the many needs that we've seen um, people having during this pandemic. If you would like to find a local LGBT center either to um, help them out in this important work or to get support yourself or both, um, because a lot of times, you know, we, we give and we get and that's what what these um, centers are all about. 
Um, check out Centerlink's interactive LGBT center directory, which you can find. Just go to lgbtcenters.org and you will see the directory there. Um, it's a really cool tool to find an LGBT center near you. So next up we have Health Innovations Emerge. This is something that I think uh, has been a really interesting story of the year. And of all of the COVID-19 stories that we've covered, I think that this theme is the one that has the impact to, um, or has the opportunity to have the biggest impact moving forward. So uh, with many health centers closing, especially for non-emergency services, um, transportation's been limited, and of course people have been told to try to stay home, um, we've had a lot of health innovations come out of this during 2020 that really stand to benefit LGBT people in the long run if they remain in place. So for example, the CDC issued guidance on how to make PrEP more accessible with uh, you know things like fewer visits to see doctors, fewer visits to the pharmacy, and those are changes that could really help um, make this HIV prevention method easier for people to access moving forward. We know one of the big problems with uptake of PrEP has been just some of these barriers that are in place, both in terms of the, the cost of going to the doctor, getting lab work done, um, and, and just the logistics of doing that, going to the pharmacy, remembering to take a pill every day. So we've seen some good guidance come out that you know could really help in the, in the long run, not just during the pandemic. Now, similarly, we've covered some interesting stories here on the podcast about trans folks really benefiting from the um, widespread adoption of telehealth services. In general, telehealth is not something that's been super supported uh, in the U.S. Um, we It's generally not covered by uh, insurance or it wasn't before the pandemic. And, you know, of course, that means that it's not something that providers are really able to offer. Now, with uh, many insurance companies immediately kind of pivoting to cover telehealth services, uh, we have seen people who normally are not able to access trans-affirming care suddenly able to get that care because maybe, you know, they could they could live miles and miles from um, a provider who does gender-affirming care, and now, they, you know, it's just a phone call or, um, or a video call away. So, um, again, that's something that really um, could stand to benefit folks, and of course, when possible, it's often, you know, better to be able to go to see your health provider in person, but when that's not uh, an option for someone, this is a really um, great alternative. And it's something that trans folks have really been asking for. Um, I know in my area, you know, folks who live in, in the more rural zones have a really hard time getting into uh, urban centers to find a doctor um, or other provider who is specialized in that form of care. So, you know, hopefully the, these regulations um, and policies that have kind of moved telemedicine into the mainstream will continue to be an option, at least uh, for people who may not be able to get to see the person that they need to see face to face. Now we're going to leave COVID-19 behind for our last couple stories here, the next of which is Supreme Court signals change. Another major story in 2020 in LGBT uh, issues was the landmark Supreme Court decision, Bostock versus Clayton County. This decision, of course, that came out over the summer, held that uh, the existing law, which prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex in employment, includes sexual orientation and gender-based discrimination, too. So that's, um, you know important in and of itself for LGBT health and wellness because we know that employment is our pathway to having income, which is uh, critical to accessing healthcare and all sorts of things that keep us well, like housing and food, um, as well as insurance that um, often in the U.S. we get through our employers. 
But beyond that, this case is really significant because we, we're seeing the logic of the case being applied um, to other areas, including in the field of healthcare, where Section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act uh, made illegal for the first time discrimination based on sex in the healthcare realm. Um, that had been um, kind of gone back and forth with changes in the federal government around whether or not that applied to gender identity. It had not been clearly applied to sexual orientation. And now with the Supreme Court's Bostock decision, that really is a signal that, yes, um, under sex discrimination, we're including sexual orientation and gender identity-based discrimination. Now, this is something that I've studied and worked on, so I could go on for the next half an hour about why, why that's the case. Um, but the bottom line is just that this is going to um, really be uh, one of the the things that we continue to look at in 2021, a lot of cases going forward, applying the logic of Bostock to healthcare and other issue areas. And so um, hopefully we, we continue to see some clarity there and see it move in the direction of, of seeing the existing law, um, including LGBT people under those protections. Next up, responding to racial injustice. As the U.S. reacted to the deaths of black individuals like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor at the hands of police, many in the LGBT movement this year stood in support of racial justice. In Los Angeles, for example, the typical summer pride celebration was exchanged for a march in support of black lives. Many LGBT organizations also use this moment to highlight the staggering health disparities that LGBT people of color, particularly Black and Latinx individuals, face even when compared to their white LGBT peers. This is um, something that's very uh, troubling that when we only talk about LGBT health and we don't look specifically at racial and um, ethnic uh, disparities, it kind of masks the, the really... Um, horrifying disparities that LGBT people of color face on a lot of different health issues. Um, and it, it's tough for, for researchers because often we don't have data that is um, disaggregated um, or we may not have enough data to be able to break down um, the LGBT population. Similar for folks who are doing racial and ethnic res um, disparity research, they may not have um, data on LGBTQ folks. So it really um, you know, points to the need for us to be more intersectional uh, in our approach to research so that we can really look at uh, LGBT folks of color and, and the issues that they're facing and what they need for support. But certainly we saw a lot of attention being paid to this issue. We saw a lot of LGBT organizations um, paying attention to this and also talking about racism within the LGBTQ community, which of course is, is a huge problem and something that really impacts um, LGBT uh, health for, for folks of color in the community who may find that they, they don't have the support that they need in the community because of, of that systemic racism. And finally, trans representation grows. One way to advance equity is to increase representation of LGBT people in office. 2020 saw the election of several transgender candidates into state offices from Vermont to Colorado and from Delaware to Kansas. 2020 also saw Pennsylvania's Secretary of Health, who happens to be a transgender woman, come into the spotlight as she led the state's response to COVID-19 and stood strong in the face of some um, really uh, unnecessary mistreatment. To find out how you can get involved in LGBT policy issues as we move into the new year, check out ActionLink, which is Centerlink's um, program that's devoted to policy and advocacy work, and something that personally I hope to highlight more um, as far as its intersection with LGBT health as we move into the new year.
Well, that is a wrap, not just on this week's Roundup, but on all of 2020. It's been a really difficult year. Um, I know people are really struggling. We are in the midst of a pandemic that has taken so many people from us and that has had a huge impact on LGBT health. We have also had um, really traumatic experiences for LGBT folks of color. And so, it's it's it hasn't been a great year, um, but thank you for tuning in and and listening to us bring you um, what we have found to be the most important and impactful stories on LGBT health and wellness. I hope that it has helped you either in your work or in your um, your personal interest around LGBT health. Certainly, I think we can all hope for and look forward to a more positive and healthy year ahead. I hope that you will stay well during the new year and tune in again when we come back in January. As always, if you want to follow up on today's roundup and read more about any of the things that I have shared, both from this week and from the whole year that we've referenced, just head over to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where you will find everything you need. Have a safe and happy new year and we will see you in 2021.